0: Hey, what's up? Welcome to the second episode of Beyond Podcast. Thank you to everybody who tuned in last week and um, and all the kind words. It was, seemed like it went over pretty well. Everybody really liked it, really enjoyed the beginning as well as the, the interview and stuff. I know there's some audio issues. Um, you know, it's new. I'll fi- I'm figuring it out. So today there'll definitely be better audio for sure. Yeah, but thank you for all kinds of words. Thank you for listening Uh, spread the word tell your friends you know tell everybody spread it on on instagram facebook friendster myspace get it on all that shit you know what i mean and like i said i'll keep you guys updated on any sort of uh patreon or any merch that i end up doing i'm working on all that stuff you know just piling on to my 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 workload here yeah so today on the podcast is kyle or Carl, the man of many names, as you'll find out. Kyle is a bartender at Sophie's in New York, a somewhat famous dive bar for its, I guess, aesthetic and also for its its Yelp reviews. But he's also a photographer. And I found him on Instagram through an acquaintance of mine because he does this photography series called See You Next Tuesday, which is this incredible series of, of portraits of people at the bar, you know, patrons and friends of his. So it's a, it's a cool like snapshot of people who, who go to bars and the bartender's perspective, you know, it's great. It's fantastic. I love it. And when we talked initially for the magazine, it was one of those beautiful, perfect meetings, meeting of minds, because I literally, I think I was done with almost done with everything. And I just, I don't know, I somehow found him when I was looking for possible photography for the cover. And I talked to him about uh, I don't remember exactly. I think I was talking to him about maybe doing some cover stuff. I don't remember. And it just happened so quickly. He, it, it turns out he's also a writer. And he just, like I think within like a month, he had the whole thing like written. He had photographs ready to go. And hopefully, it becomes a series. Uh, if you want to read it and look at his photography, uh, it's called Learning to Dive Volume 1 on peonmagazine.com right now. It's great. Uh, hopefully, we'll be able to keep it up. But it was just one of those beautiful meetings where like everything just came together so perfectly. He already had the idea ready. And I just literally just input it into the website. I mean, that's what I want every sort of interaction with writers and artists for the magazine to be, but it doesn't always go that smoothly. But thankfully with uh, Kyle, it did. So yeah, I would say definitely go on the website, check that out. It's on the current issue. And it was one of the funner pages to de- to design because it, it's horizontal. So it scrolls horizontally. So I would suggest... Looking at it on a computer as opposed to your phone, but anyway, Kyle's got a collection of those of that series. The See You Next Tuesdays. Uh, that book is coming out in September. No official date yet. Check his website, kylecarl.com. Also check out his Instagram. He's always posting cool shit up there. I'm sure he'll also post a date once he has it. But definitely follow him. He's a awesome dude, cool dude, and we have a great conversation here. Of course, he's a great conversationalist. He works at a bar. So he's got Cool shit to say he's got cool stories. He knows how to carry a conversation anyway let's uh, let's move on to something different let's uh Let's jump on the bandwagon and talk about the bear. man, I really wanted to like this show, but I think that's partly because it was trying to showcase something about the service industry that 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 hasn't really been showcased before, and they did a pretty cool job. I mean, some of the stuff that they showed, like um you know little details like. Like the way that we cut tape or fermentation taking off in the industry, the way that we organize things and the brigade system. These are things that like nobody really knows. So they were kind of, they, it's cool that they kind of got that stuff out there. And so I guess I appreciate it for that. It's pretty cool that it's made like such a huge impact. It seems like it's everybody's talking about it everywhere. Being in the kitchen, everybody talks about it. Everybody's like sort of feeling each other out, like, what do you think about it? What do you think about it? You know, And everybody's got their own little take on it. And everybody's got a really interesting take on it too, especially in the kitchen. So I just figured I'd bring it up. We talk about it a little bit. I would probably be less inclined to even mention the show if it weren't for the discourse around it. The discourse has really made me react strongly to the show and as a lot stronger than I would otherwise. Well, first off, some of the small things that kind of bothered me and I think bo- probably bothered a lot of people, which I guess no one in, who hasn't worked in a kitchen would notice, but they're glaring details to somebody who does. Like the fact that everybody calls each other chef. I posted this on Instagram, but calling everybody in the kitchen chef is like Amazon calling all their workers' partners. Um, like the stock, you know, that was major plot point that she couldn't ask for help. But how ridiculous is it that that... 22-quart of veal stock was on the top shelf. Who's doing that? Do you keep large bottles of liquid with loose tops on the top shelf in your fridge? No. No, you don't. Nobody would do that. In kitchens, we keep stocks on the bottom shelf for that exact reason, that you're not trying to reach like a lunatic to the top shelf and pull down a 22-quart of veal stock You don't. Oh, I got it. I got it. I don't need help with this 22 good veal stock. And the dude's looking at her like, okay, yeah, you're fine. Yeah. Get it off the top shelf. I'd be screaming. Who the fuck put it on top shelf? Will you go in there? You fucking pull it down. I'm not going to fucking pull it down. You fucking idiot. Maybe that's where we get into the toxic masculinity aspect. (laughs) Maybe that's where we start talking about the toxic masculinity. Because would that be toxic if I went to anybody in the kitchen that I work in and say, what the fuck is wrong with you? You put the stock. No, that's not toxic. That's saying you need to take responsibility of the mistake you made and who else is going to do it except other people around you. You're held accountable by other people. Uh, The other thing was like there's like a tape dispenser, which is great. We use tape dispensers. If you're not, if you're working in the kitchen and you don't use a tape dispenser, you should be because it's great. It's so easy and it makes everything clean and and you don't have to cut or tear. Just it's right there. But the baker's like using, he takes the tape off the tape dispenser and then he tears the tape. I'm like, not only does no cook do that or anybody in the kitchen, but no human does that. So why the fuck did you not just use the serrated edge of the tape dispenser? Strange. Very strange. Oh man. And the other thing that I don't think anybody that I've talked to about the show really brought up was the fact that it's a sandwich spot. From everything they show, they use paper plates or at least paper boats, and yet they have two dishwashers. What's that about? Why why do they have that? And then in a larger sort of sense, it doesn't make any sense that he's applying that Carm Carmi or whatever his name is is applying any of this stuff to a sandwich place. I get holding a kitchen to a higher standard. I I mean, I'm sure Sean Brock holds his burger place to uh, a higher standard than maybe someone who hasn't worked in Mission star kitchens or or worked in a kitchen of that caliber. And I'm sure the same thing with Wally Dufresne's uh, donut shop, you know, it's probably a notch above, but they're not the same as a Michelin kitchen, you know what I mean? You're doing very different things. It would have made more sense if it was just like a diner or something. He might, he might up the level of, of the sandwiches for sure. When I saw that, I was like, Oh fuck. Yeah, man. Show him how to season that fucking meat. Show him how to brine. Show him how to uh, cook bread properly. That all makes sense. And then all of a sudden he's scrubbing the fucking floor with a toothbrush. Like what, what the fuck is you? what are you doing? It's so strange. I found myself screaming at the TV quite a lot, but I don't know. I'm not the writer. I didn't write. It's just, Further proves my point that they need really need to get a fucking cook in that fucking writers room, and I'll volunteer. I'll do it. Jesus, this fucking self promotion. Oh <laughs> uh, man, yeah. So the writers they don't seem to know what kind of place this is, which is which is kind of annoying because there's such a cool opportunity. The fact that they chose, I'm so disappointed that every fucking cook movie that comes out. Every show that comes out about cooks, it's all about the high-end kitchen, the narcissistic chef with the with the crew that follows him to the death. And he's searching for those Michelin stars and he's got a chef coat on and he calls everybody chef. And it's, uh, blah, blah, blah. it's so fucking boring. Along comes this show and it's about a gritty fucking kitchen, a, a cafe style fucking put the fucking meat in the bun, get it out to customers, a local joint, I fucking loved that. I was like, yes, dude, finally, there's something that shows like the 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 kitchens that I come from, the grit, the real shit, the the places you probably go when you're off work. right This lady's writing this article, and then guess what she's probably going around a corner to her fucking local halal shop or her fucking local deli, right but i was I was so happy that 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 was the setting, and they really just uh they just kept trying to shove all the the michelin star stuff in there and i was just sort of disappointed by that but now we're going to get into the nitty-gritty in the atlantic article uh she talks about uh the kitchen brigade i think she says uh where's it at the kitchen brigade mimics frameworks of power and aggression elsewhere and she comments about one of the cooks who mentions that he was in a brigade once and in somalia yeah, the, the Kitchen Brigade was modeled after the French military. I mean, Escoffier designed it that way. And um, there is that one moment in, in, I forgot what episode, but where the sous chef says that we don't need a brigade system here. And I remember having some really strong reactions to that because I was I was... I was thinking like, dude, you don't need any of this system here. Like, so when the chef's like, no, we're going to implement a brigade system. I was like, I was like, dude, no, she's right. Like you can do things differently because this is a fucking sandwich shop. Little did I know they're going to turn into a spoilers. They're going to turn into a high end kitchen in the next season. Um, which I'll get to in a second. But these articles are talking about the brigade system as a negative or that she was advocating against this system because it's toxic and masculine and hierarch- hierarchical, hierarchical. That's a hard, hard word to say because it's hierarchical. But they're sitting at their desk in their department at their section on their floor with their supervisor and their boss, and they're pointing the finger at the brigade system saying that this is what's wrong. I don't even believe that that's what the show is doing. And then they make a slight mention of it in one of the episodes. But it's the same thing as me having my station, my prep, my responsibilities, my sous chef, my chef, my owner, it's the same fucking thing. So what's even stranger is that they don't seem to realize these articles don't and these writers don't seem to realize that the show actually advocates for the brigade system because as much as they fought against it and the, as much as she doesn't like it that's the thing that changes the whole restaurant they show it in a later episode they show she's doing a, a line check and the fridges are clean everybody's organized everybody's better at cooking except for richie of course but they're all better because of this brigade system. So the changes did work. So I don't understand how these articles could be saying that this hierarchy is so terrible and toxic when it clearly worked. I don't get it. No, I don't understand. I don't understand why that is... I mean, I guess it makes a good article, I guess. I mean, I'm fucking talking about it. Oh, yeah. And then in terms of the, the sous chef, there's a moment where... She like has a heart-to-heart with the chef. And there's a statement that comes up a lot, especially in, in the kitchen I work in now. And the, the statement that comes up is that uh, I expect more from you. That statement is so poorly misconstrued in that show because that is telling you that there are people within the kitchen that he knows he can't get to. Like, say, Richie, right? Or, or the, the, I forgot her name, the, the, the chef who says, you cut vegetables like a bitch. Uh, which is a funny line. Uh, but he knows that he can't get to the people like that. He knows that she cares enough to walk this line, to to do what she has to do, to do what he'd like her to do, to move things forward. He wouldn't do that with anybody else. So him saying, I expect more from you is saying, I know you care enough to do better. Man, that's, that's a huge statement, especially in a kitchen. For them to point that out is like, as if it's uh it's a chef allowing a female worker to be bullied is is um is bullshit because you don't you're not in a kitchen if any if any chef or cook was in that writer's room and that came up they'd they would clear that up right away. I have full faith that that's the fact but but they don't um on top of that, I was disappointed because the the ending of the show the, it's a day ex machina they find all the money they could ever need. In the soup cans, it was there the whole time. It was they were just they were suffering for no reason, and then boop, here comes the solution. And then what are they going to do next season? They're going to change the name. They're going to change the concept. What I think what they said is like a tasting menu, uh, a twelve seat counter with with a twelve course menu, and they're dreaming of these things that they want to make their restaurant into. And you know what they're going to do? It's going to be a trendy, high end restaurant. It's going to gentrify the neighborhood alienate the local customers and deprive them of any sort of affordable or remotely accessible food. I think if that if that really happened in your neighborhood and that, this was a documentary, you'd be like, you'd be up in arms. The same lady who's writing the Atlanta article will be talking about, you know, another place gentrifying this neighborhood, this local establishment. Again, I think that these people are just mainly looking at the show through a certain lens and that's the way that they see it without knowing anything about what the actual work environment is. I don't know. Maybe I'm, I'm of course thinking too much about it, but that's what I do. I, I like to get all fired up about it. I don't know. Maybe I'll do like a whole review or, or a series of podcasts about each episode. Cause there's a lot to say about that show. It's kind of crazy. Um, maybe I'll do that and put it up on the Patreon somewhere. If anybody's interested in that, I don't know, man. I maybe haven't talked too long about this shit. Anyway, let's get to the fucking interview. Again, this is Kyle, Kyle Carl, Lou, the man of many names. Check out his website, kylecarl.com, both with K's. And check out his, his book, pre-order his book, buy his shit. He's a badass dude. Hope you enjoy the interview. Thanks for hanging out. If you'd like to support us, you can go to the support page on Peon Magazine. Just top right corner there's his little menu It says support. Um, yeah, thanks for listening. Thanks for all the good feedback. I'll we'll be back in a couple weeks. With a new episode,
1: enjoy. What you? Uh, what are you drinking there? Some white wine. Hey, Kristen, what kind of wine is this? Mm. Some kind of Sauvignon Blanc.
0: Oh, okay. You're in, uh, you're in Amsterdam right you said yeah yeah what do you go, what are you doing over there I think I looked up what you said it was like some sort of night hunting or something like that was that right a,
1: a night hunting a t- yeah maybe it was just like a misspelling or something but <laughs> yeah uh, it was probably a misspelling I'm, uh, <laughs> I'm going to a wedding tomorrow actually oh, in Poland oh, okay nice that's awesome man um, and then I was just visiting some friends uh, I'm at their house right now Nice, um, nice. They just got married last month, and uh, I couldn't get enough of them, so I, I decided <laughs> to come back and see them again. That's
0: awesome, dude. Um, well, uh, I, I usually start with uh, where. How did you get in the industry, and and why?
1: I mean, the the first time that I worked in the service industry was uh, working at a movie theater. Oh, okay, um, that was my first job, and then from there moved. Moved way up in the rankings to Starbucks. <laughs> um, Wait, see, were you
0: concessions a, at the movie theater?
1: I was, uh, ticket sales, usher and concessions. I did, uh, I did all of them. Um, yeah, that was, uh, that was cool because I was 15 and, and I got to go to free movies. It's kind of like being, a uh, you know, like a middle-aged person working at a bar and getting free alcohol, except the yeah. free alcohol is better than yes. the free movies. <laughs> Any wild shit. I imagine cleaning up those theaters has got to be a fucking nightmare. Yeah. Yeah. I used to, I used to get, um, we used to find shit all the time, like watches and wallets <laughs> and, um, you know, you'd be surprised what people leave behind in the, in the movie theater. Yeah. Uh, something that I was most excited about as a 15 year old is probably um, the unopened bags of candy. I'm like, how do you go to a fucking movie <laughs> and then just not open your bag of candy and then just leave it in the theater? Yeah. Know?
0: So you got free candy and free movies <laughs> Yeah, <basically, laughs> and free yeah. popcorn and yeah, yeah, damn. yeah, yeah. So that's a pretty good job. Why did I, was you, also,
1: uh, I was also allowed to bring three, I think three friends to any movie that I wanted to see. So, uh, it was great,
0: you know. Yeah. Then why did you go to the um, fantastic company of Starbucks
1: where- uh, for the for the benefits? No, I'm just uh, <laughs> the healthcare and the yeah. union. Um, it was because I had a bunch of friends that work there. Um, so it was basically like six friends all working at Starbucks together so every every shift it was like a little our own little party you know yeah um and it was it was a starbucks that was right on the beach in southern california that's
0: that's pretty cool like a huntington beach or um or venice uh
1: no uh like laguna dana point okay it's called uh salt creek okay all right um and that was that was the first time i ever uh found out that you couldn't ask someone to work past their allotted hours without paying them because I was, I was forced to work um, one night because my shift manager was afraid that everyone would get overtime. So she made all of us clock out and then I had to finish cleaning the. Oh shit. Finish yeah. cleaning the Starbucks. That's like
0: illegal. How did you um, find out? Like, did you end up getting paid for those hours or did it was just like, I
1: did. I, well, I mean, I okay. got home. I was like 16. I got home and I, told my parents, you know, yeah, she made me clock out. And they're like, you have to call HR right <laughs> now. You know? Yeah. Uh, but then pretty much every service and industry job I've worked since then, there's been no HR, you know, it's a... There's no HR. Yeah. It's know. like <laughs>
0: usually some person who kind of does it on the side, like a general
1: manager or, you know... Yeah, yeah. Somebody's so, friend I haven't you know, worked at many like other... Big corporate companies, you know?
0: Yeah. I mean, I don't think I've ever had an HR now that I'm thinking back on it. Yeah. Nothing made me think about that. Jeez. Um, yeah. So where do you go when you have a complaint
1: about that? You just fucking, you just tell your coworkers, you just just eat the shit. And, uh, but then again, also most of my, most of my jobs since then haven't been getting paid hourly. There's no clocking in, no clocking out. It's just, You get there. You start when you get there, and you end when you leave because everything's all tips. That's wild. Yeah, yeah. That's especially in New York.
0: Yeah, you know, I had a friend uh, who moved from Austin, New York, New York, and um, and he was required to walk out and work additional hours at a restaurant. Um, It was April Bloomfield, one of April Bloomfield's restaurants, and it was a requirement that like he worked eight hours and then. If you wanted the job, you had to work an additional, um, I think, four to six hours off the clock.
1: That's fucked up.
0: Yeah, real fucked up. That's why he pretty much yeah. well quit. He's like, this, this is bullshit. Yeah, whose um, idea was that? Yeah, April Bloomfields, I guess. <laughs> I, <don't know. laughs> I have no idea. Uh, apparently, that's is that a normal thing in New York? Do you know for like cooks to uh, to have to work mm-hmm. off clock?
1: Um, I don't think so. I mean, a lot of my friends who are chefs are usually working on salary.
0: Yeah. Okay. So, so
1: they're they, crazy don't have hours anyway. A, yeah. They don't have a clock in, clock out. I had two friends that just did a really great pop up in um, the downstairs of the new Essex market, and they they only really got paid in sale and food sales. So there was no clogging in, no clogging out, just however many people they brought in. Oh. Um and however many people they got a percentage of the of the food sale.
0: Okay. I mean I guess. I think I
1: mean I think at the moment it's like uh anything's doing any anyone's yeah. doing anything to save a little bit of money, you know. Oh for sure.
0: Yeah. Yeah yeah. Where did you go uh, after Starbucks? You're you said you're
1: sixteen working at Starbucks? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, dude. Um then uh I worked there for like two years and then I went to college and I was working for this woman. I can't, I can't remember her name. I moved to San Francisco and I was working for this woman who, um, basically like <clears throat> popularized for net. Oh, okay. San Francisco. She was, uh-huh. she had a, you know, like a alcohol, uh, distribution company. Mm-hmm. And I did, um, like guerrilla marketing for them, which was going around to all the newsstands and, and taking out the, the front page of the, of the San Francisco Chronicle, turning it to her ad and then putting it back in the, at all the newsstands and just riding around on my bike and smoking weed all day. So that, that was like,
0: <laughs> so, wait, so the ad was like putting the Fernet like ad, the Fernet Bronco. Well, the-
1: by that time she had already popularized Fernet, and she was working okay. on char- getting chartreuse really popular. Okay. Um, all right, so, so basically I was worked. like going, yeah, I was going around all the newsstands and, and flipping the, the page that had her ad on it and then putting it back in the front so that when you look at the newsstand, it was just like chartreuse, 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 chartreuse. Oh,
0: yeah. okay. So you're like flipping the front of the magazine. Yeah. Back so it wasn't the front, heard.
1: it wasn't the front page of the paper. It was her, yeah. her ad that was the front page.
0: Wow. Do you know if that had any impact on the Oh, I sales have no idea. I was on
1: <laughs> so many drugs when I lived in San Francisco. <laughs> I was, I was yeah. like, you're paying me 20 bucks an hour. I don't really care about anything else. You know? Yeah. Yeah. It was a great job though. Cause at yeah, the moment, it I, good. I, I could, I could use and I could work, you know, it was like, it was good for me. I didn't really have to, uh, I just had to take pictures of the, of the newsstands and send it to her. And that was it just like, to
0: make sure that you, you did it or something.
1: Yeah. I don't even think she knew what I looked like.
0: So (laughs) how did you get that job? You just like find it in the newspaper or Craigslist? No, I had a
1: friend, I had a friend who was working for her and he was like, Hey, we need some help. So. Okay. Hopped on. Yeah.
0: Well, damn. What was your, what was your first like industry job after that?
1: Um, I was, I was like bartending private parties and stuff like that. Occasionally in San Francisco. But my first, uh, my first like real bartending job was, uh, when I moved to New York, um, okay. I, um, I started off as a host cause it's really tough to get into bars in, in New York. You know, you, it's a lot of friends and family type thing. Okay. You know, unless you, unless you want to bartend at like TGI Fridays or like, oh, yeah. some kind of chain, you know, then you have to like <laughs> yeah. submit a resume, but it, I got the job at this place called um, Kingston Hall. It was like a Jamaican themed, (laughs) Jamaican themed bar.
0: Was Um, it owned by
1: Jamaicans? No, it was all white. So I called (laughs) it uh, the colonial Jamaican bar. (laughs) So I, I basically got to know the uh, one of the owners of the place and one night I was on a bunch of, uh, I was on a bunch of Molly and like really stoned. And I, and I offered the, the owner some drugs uh-huh. and, um, and he was like, Oh no, I'm, I'm clean. But, uh, do you need a job? He <laughs> was like, yeah, sure. I'd love a job.
0: <laughs> yeah. Of course you're um, a Molly. You're like, I love your yeah. hair. I love your face. <laughs> yeah, I all of Everything it, dude. about you.
1: <laughs> I love this bar. Yeah. This is a great idea. Um, so he, I, I told him like, I'd, I, I'll show up you know, for a month without even getting paid. I just, I just want to work here. Like I need to work in a bar. I have like this, I was working as a bike messenger. Okay. Why did you, uh, why did you
0: to work in, want to work in bars so much to just lucrative? Because I,
1: I liked yeah, I liked the idea. I had, I had some friends, I had made some friends who worked there just because I became kind of a regular there. Mm-hmm. And yeah. so I, you know, it was like a, the, the place also had a free pool table. I thought it was like a cool place to hang out. I was like, I just, just want to work here. You know, yeah. Bar, like bartending. I feel like in New York is, uh, it, people put it on this kind of pedestal where it's like, Oh, oh if you can bartend in New York and you can bartend anywhere type thing, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Like you can get a job anywhere in the world. If you just tell them like, Oh, I was a bartender in New York. Uh, uh-huh. um, I don't necessarily agree with that but uh that's just what in my mind as a as a 22 year old you know or a oh, 23 so tr- year old you're
0: trying to get that job kind of so you could have that caliber of of job kind of
1: yeah. And they, you know, my friends would tell me like, Oh, I just walked home with 500 bucks tonight. Jesus, I'm like yeah. 500 bucks tonight. Like Jesus, man, I make yeah. that in like a week, you know? <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. As a cook, I make that in, in less than that
0: in a week. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So,
1: yeah. So I mean, yeah. but then again, also you're not, you're only working three times, sometimes four times a week and not all the shifts are that lucrative. Yeah. 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 Uh so I started off as a host there and then uh worked my way to server or yeah I was a I was a waitress there for a while and then um and then I just got asked to come behind the bar on one busy night a couple times and uh there were these two people who worked there called Jason and Claire. Claire is like a incredibly badass female boxer. She is just the best human being and the best bartender that I've ever worked with or, you know, been able to sit on the other side of the bar while she, while she served me. Yeah. Um, and my first, my first time, you know, it was kind of, kind of dead. I didn't have any tables that, um, I closed up my, my station at like, I think one, and then it went to all bar service. So she was like, you want to learn how to bartend? Like, you know, come back here and I'll, and I'll show you how to do it properly. Mm. And she's been working in New York for like 20 years as a bartender. Um, So, uh, I get back there and the first thing I do is I drop a fucking pint glass right into the ice well and it just smashes all in the ice well. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Oh, that's it. Oh
0: my so, God. Were uh, you trying to do like some, what was that? No, I wasn't Mom trying Cruise to do anything. I was just kind of like, shit. I was just
1: kind of nervous. You oh know?
0: F- yeah, of course. Yeah.
1: And Damn, just man. a total klutz. <laughs> and I, <laughs> I had fully just smashed a, a pine glass in the ice. Well, and we had to burn all the ice. Jesus. And, uh, and we were making drinks out of, or they were making drinks out of, um, out of the other ice. Well, that was behind the bar. And, uh, I guess there was this guy who Claire had worked with, uh, previous to me and his name was Carl
0: mm-hmm. and everyone
1: called him, uh, keep it together, Carl. Cause he always fucked everything up <laughs> yeah. and my name is Kyle. And it's just that close to Carl that she just started calling me, keep it together, Carl, the new, keep it together, Carl. Oh, shit. So that's. That's kind of, and then everyone started using it. So that kind of just became. That's how I came up with the name Kyle Carl. Was it was just my bar pseudonym. I, I told everyone while I was working behind the bar that my name was Carl. And then if I saw anyone on the street and they said, "Hey, Carl," I would know. It was a it was a way for me to kind of uh, categorize. (laughs) <laughs> and, and simplify like who I met at the bar and who I actually know in real life.
0: Yeah. You know,
1: yeah.
0: Um, so, you still, so go, but, you, you still go, by it today. People still uh, call you Carl? Occasionally.
1: Yeah. I mean, yeah. my friends calling Carl is like a joke or, and then, uh, <laughs> yeah. But I, sometimes if I don't want to tell someone my name, that's usually the, the pseudonym I go with. Uh huh. That or loose asshole, you know? <laughs>
0: Uh, did you ever live? Uh, did you continue to live up to that name or? To you, Carl? Yeah. the oh, little, no, I, uh,
1: I, I really got, I got my act together. You yeah. Know? I became more comfortable. I, it really didn't take me that long to be comfortable behind the bar, especially because it was such a high volume bar. Um, yeah.
0: Was it mainly like cocktails you know, or shots or.
1: Yeah. It was you know, co- beers cocktails, and shots? cocktails, beers, We had a, we had a frozen machine where we served, uh, like frozen beverages and coconuts. In Uh, coconuts? Yeah. Inside it was like a pineapple. It was basically like a pina colada that was served Uh, in a, in a coconut. Okay. Um, so then, you know, sometimes we'd go back there with the machete and we'd be actually like cutting (laughs) open the coconuts. Yeah. Um, It's a pretty good skill to learn. I think. Yeah. And I, I, uh, I ended up, I ended up managing the bar or Damn. like all three of their bars. They're all on second Avenue for like a year and a half. And that's, that's when I found out a lot of really nasty stuff about the service industry as well, which is like a lot of people jack bottles, which is like, they, you know, they take the Grey Goose <clears throat> bottle and they fill it with well vodka. Were they requiring still, you to do that or something? They asked me, they asked me to do it. I said no I mean I had a full-on like breakdown one day yeah I was like I, I can't do this and they were like well everyone who you're serving is an asshole anyways and I was like <laughs> well these assholes at least <laughs> deserve what they're paying for yeah <laughs> I'm not I'm not denying the fact that they're assholes yeah but, but if they're paying for Grey Goose then they, they should, should get, get Grey Goose you know Jesus, man. So um, is, is
0: that like a regular practice in, in New York or is that a pretty just like sketchy thing that happens?
1: I, I think it's a very sketchy thing that happens. I don't think that it happens everywhere. Uh I think that there are certain owners that are really worried about making that that extra money. Oh, okay. And there's and there's really no way to regulate it. I mean, like, how yeah. are you gonna tell the difference between well vodka and gray goose? It all tastes like fucking vodka. It all tastes yeah. like shit you know yeah yeah i mean it'd be it'd be one thing to be putting you know well bourbon in like a woodford reserve bottle yeah because you know? because mm-hmm. all all those kind of high-end bourbons those are the only those are the only things that you really can't jack like that and he- you can't really put well gin in the hendrix bottle because hendrix has a very distinct flavor but when it came to like vodka or, or like, like the Tanqueray or the Bombay, like that was well gin. It was like,
0: yeah. Yeah. You can't really tell the difference between those two. No, Jesus.
1: no. And it was, a, it was a rum bar and most of the, most of the silver rums that we had were just well rum.
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh, shit. I guess if it you're just mixing shit together, nobody's really going to know. Yeah. But I mean, you God think damn, someone's going to just... tell
1: the difference between a well vodka yeah. soda and a, no. and a gray goose and soda, you know? No, no. I forgot that. Did you, did you ever see that, um, the YouTube show called the restaurant?
0: No, I don't think so. No. Uh,
1: so episode five, they're all, they're all complaining did. about yeah. like, get the fuck out of here to all their Um, customers is what they're saying you know they're like uh complaining about their customers and they're like oh get the fuck out of here and the guy's like this is gray goose and red bull i asked for a stoli and red bull and he's like you couldn't (laughs) tell the difference if i made a turpentine and red bull like get the (laughs) fuck out of here (laughs) uh yeah you're mixing it with red bull you know
0: yeah it's it's just gonna taste like shitty red bull Did they, is that, is that kind of the reason you, uh, you ended up leaving or what are they making you do some other sketchy
1: shit as well? Uh, no, I mean the way that that ended was, was definitely pretty sour because, um, uh, they knew that I didn't really want to do it anymore. So they, uh, but they, they didn't tell me that they were going to relieve me of my duties until, uh, until three p.m. on January first, um, I got an email from from one of the bosses, this guy that I really dislike, just saying, uh, "Hey, you know, uh, you can keep your two bar shifts, but uh, you're you're no longer gonna be uh, the beverage manager of the bars." Uh-huh. So I was like, "All right," it was a little weird. And then they kind of slowly took away my first shift, and then slowly took away my second shift. Until I was just like, they just slowly dissolved me, you know?
0: (laughs) Yeah. And then you just pieced out.
1: You were just like, fuck this. Well, by that time, I was already, I was already working at two other bars. Okay. I was working at Sophie's where I, where I work now, which is Mm -hmm. the best bar I've ever worked at. And then I was working at this faux rock and roll overpriced nightclub one Mm -hmm. night a week. And I fucking hated that too. And I hated the guy who ran that place also. It's really hard to come across, what was, what uh, was that? it's really hard to come across a great bar owner, you know? Yeah. It seems, it seems that way. Uh, and I, I don't know, I don't know I don't why it is, I don't know why it is, but it seems like most bar owners like have never actually like worked in a bar, you know, they, they've only <laughs> just like
0: somehow yeah. got
1: money and then they were like, Oh, you know what I'm going to do with this money? I'm going to open up a bar. Yeah. Just so they can hang out there and act like a total asshole. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah.
0: (laughs) I used know a guy at this place in, uh, in Austin. It was a fucking horrible, it was like an Instagram bar and, you know, like just people go there to take pictures and shit like that. And it's it's like the drinks are almost extra, you know? And, um, uh, this guy would just get, go there, just get, just to get fucked up. And, and he would sit at a table by himself just pound drinks. And then one day he fell back like onto his head and nobody would help him. They're just like, he just does that. <laughs> he's just, he's, you know, he's the owner. It's fine. Yeah. It's, uh, it's the same way waiting, with, with restaurants. I was waiting
1: for, for you to tell me that he died. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Maybe he did. I don't know. I mean, he, he was getting fucked up every night. Like, like, yeah, I mean, blacked out. He's the
1: owner. So technically, uh, you know, he's responsible for his own injuries at his bar. Whereas (laughs) if anyone else gets injured there, then he's also responsible for it. Yeah,
0: Restaurant owners is the same, same way. Like if they're, it's weird that people think that the service industry has any sort of money. It's so hard to keep a bar or a restaurant open. It's like, it's not that lucrative. So I don't understand why anybody outside of anybody who hasn't run a bar or restaurant would open one. It doesn't make yeah. any sense to me.
1: I mean, also anyone who's ever worked in a bar or restaurant, unless they win the lottery, will never have enough money to open up their own <laughs> bar or restaurant. So exactly. I mean, yeah. I guess we're, I guess we're all kind of thankful for these people who decide to open bars, Talkers, whether yeah. they're assholes or not. You know? yeah. <laughs> yeah,
0: that's true. Yeah. Um, so you went to this, uh, that rock and roll club you said after, yeah. after
1: that? Well, I mean, I just I just can't ever see myself working at a place long term that charges eight dollars for a Budweiser, you know? Jesus, man. Is that pretty typical <laughs> in New York? That's it. No. Oh. I mean
0: <laughs> well, that's, just, that's what it comes that's down to. That's the only reason why. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh. not even is a Bud Light or is it a just a standard Budweiser? Same
1: same price for both of them. Jesus. All right. Yeah, just cause just 'cause a the bud light is light. doesn't mean that it's light on the price as well. It's <laughs> usually yeah. the same exact price, you know? Holy
0: shit. How long did you stay there?
1: You saw the price tag and you ran or? Oh, yeah. I was there for about six months. Jeez. Um, and there was, there was one night where I was closing the bar and my coworker never knew how to close out the register. Mm-hmm. So I was always doing their register and my register. Yeah. And their register that night was exactly $600 short. What? Right. So I was like, yeah, either someone stole $600 or they did payouts and they didn't put them in the system. And it was a brand new manager who happened to be dating the owner. Oh shit. Yeah. So at the end of the night I was like, I, you know, I did, I did the money four or five times. I can't figure it out. It's like exactly $600 short. I send this long text message, like with my notes at the end of the night, which I always had to do. And he basically accused me of, uh, of accusing his significant other of uh, stealing, which I wasn't yeah. doing. And, and then two days later, I just wasn't on the schedule. So oh, okay.
0: Yeah. yeah. It just, it doesn't seem like there's a lot of standard firing going on. No, no, just no, no. Very no. like, they just get rid of you or.
1: Yeah. I mean, I, I sent, I sent my manager, uh, an email and it took them like two days to respond. And yeah. she goes, uh, we've decided to let you go. I, I hope you understand. And I was like, uh-huh. no, I, I don't, <laughs> I don't understand. <laughs> But yeah. that's fine. I mean, get it. Not working at, not working at all of these places was probably the best thing that ever happened to me. Like each and every one not working at them any longer was the best thing that ever happened to me. You know?
0: Yeah. How many, how many like kind of, uh, jobs have you had like that? Have you skipped around a lot or you just kind of just stayed at the, a lot Well, of now I've, places. I've been at
1: Sophie's now for just over eight years. Wow. Since the beginning of 2014. Wow. Okay. So that's eight years, right? Yeah. What? Uh,
0: how did you end up getting that job? Did you uh, kind of know somebody there, or?
1: Yeah, I uh, I would always stop by Sophie's on my way home from Kingston Hall because Kingston Hall closed at two and Sophie's closed at four. So I would stop there for a drink to like complain about my shift, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And um, there was one day where. I was sitting at the bar, and the and the head bartender, uh, her name's Alma. She's like the basically the GM or the one of the staff managers, and and um and the head bartender. She was like complaining to me, and she's like, "Fuck, I can't find anyone to work Tuesday day." And I was like, "I'm I'm sitting right here, you know, I'm sitting right in front of you. I'll work Tuesday day." So that, that was like a Wednesday night or something like that. So I went in the next day, really hung over. And after being told I got the job to train and then I was working there by the next Tuesday. Eight years later. Nice. Yeah. Eight years later, <laughs> yeah. I'm still working there. So I've come a long way. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what is, um,
0: what is that place like? Cause, um, I think after we talked and, and we worked on that piece for the magazine, I was like looking it up and you guys like have like, um, you guys are pretty notorious, I guess, for like being one of the best dives. And I don't know what that means in New, in New York, but like best yeah, dive I mean, to visit in New York
1: or something like that. It's definitely, uh, well, it's definitely clean but also a dive bar. And I know that it's clean because at the end of every shift, we have to fucking clean it ourselves, you know? And we, we take care of that place. Like it's our own place, you know? And, and the, with kind of the inner workings of it, like they hire us because they trust us and they allow us to run our shifts the way that they think we feel like we should be able to run it. And so the bartender has the final say, which is always nice because you know, if someone is being difficult, then then we we don't go by the the normal uh saying the customer is always right type thing. You know, the customer yeah. is always wrong. Yes, mm-hmm. always. I love that mentality. Right. I think it's
0: so Wouldn't you say that? <laughs> yeah. But <laughs> <laughs> I, I worked at a one of my first jobs was at a food trailer, and they allowed us to do the same thing. Like, if somebody's being a f- a fuckwit and a dickhead, then you just don't have to serve them. Don't fucking treat them. like they're yeah.
1: yeah just get out. Yeah, get the right fuck there, out bro. of yeah.
0: yeah, yeah. If you don't want to eat the food, if you don't like what's happening, then get the fuck out of here. And yeah. and you can say that, and I love that. I love that because mm-hmm. people don't give a fuck. They don't. They don't care. They're gonna.
1: They're gonna yeah. come
0: back, or they're not gonna come back. It doesn't fucking matter.
1: And also I mean Sophie's has been uh, so the space has been a bar since 1910. Jesus right? wow. Okay. Sophie's Sophie's became Sophie's in in 84. So okay. 3 years before I was even born. Um so it, it's been around long before Yelp and will be around yeah. long after Yelp. Yeah. So one little yeah. Yelp review is not going to you it's know, probably do going to get you more just, business actually. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. People are going to be like, Oh, they treated that person like shit. It's great. <laughs> okay. Like yeah. you, you should, uh, you should read some of the, some of the Yelp reviews are great. Like one, you know, I don't know if this is true or not, but one said, um, the bartender told my friend that she wished she got cancer. <laughs>
0: <laughs> do you ever read the reviews and, and go like, I know that person or do you, have you all, found a review all, all the time. that,
1: yeah, all the time. Mine usually involves uh, the guy. It always starts. The guy with the mustache was a real <laughs> asshole. <laughs> uh, they always go for the I easiest. They always go for the easiest one. You know.
0: Yeah. Oh, yeah. Of course. Yeah. So wait, you said it's it's that space has been around for since 1910. Does it feel like it's been around? Like, are you? No. The, you whole, find, like- the
1: the space has definitely changed since then, okay. but it's been the same since it's been a bar definitely since, but... since 84 it's been the exact okay. same like the oh. walls are the same color you know there's just a little bit more art on the walls now but yeah yeah the bar is the same they've never redone the bar you know it's Damn. old and wood and you know the door is a piece of shit <laughs> um, yeah yeah Yeah. I mean, there are two saloon doors on one end of the bar, which need to be fixed occasionally. But Uh, other than that, everything kind of just is being held together by duct tape. (laughs) That's pretty cool. It's got a lot of charm. Yeah. 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 There's, there's a jukebox in the back. There's a pool table. It's not a very big space at all. Um, when did you, uh,
0: when did you start taking pictures?
1: The see you Uh, next Tuesdays?
0: Yeah. Or just like, uh, when you turn the camera on the, uh, the drinks at the the patrons. sorry, Um, that's a
1: nicer way of putting it. Yeah.
0: Patrons.
1: (laughs) Um, I, I was shooting in there pretty much like right when I got the job. Um, but it was about three years after I got the job that I got this, this camera that I was really, that I was really wanting. And then I started bringing it into the bar with me every single time. And then one of my friends came in and I was like, Hey, can I, can I shoot your portrait? And he was like on the phone, you know, he was like, like this. And he was like, going like this. And I was like, no, I'll just shoot it. And just took the photo. <laughs> yeah. And I never ended up using that for the project. I, I actually, I shot him again cause I didn't, I don't want, I didn't want phones in the project. Um, so then this other, but I really liked the way it looked and I was like, man, I kind of want to do this with, with everyone that I know, you know, yeah." kind of build a, build a little time capsule of portraits of, of people at the bar. Yeah. And I've been doing it for almost six years. I've been doing it for five and a half years. Ooh, wow. Were you doing photography before that? Yeah, I was, I was really into photography in high school. Okay. I was so into photography in high school that I built a dark room in my parents' house. And then I kind of stopped doing it when I was living in San Francisco. And then I was doing it ever so often when I traveled, but not not very much in San Francisco. Mm-hmm. And then kind of picked it back up uh a couple of years after moving to New York. Do you
0: do you ask pretty much everybody or do you you kind of trying to yeah, get some more I, candid shit.
1: No, they're all they're all uh, consented.
0: Really? Because my yeah. my favorite one was in in the piece for Peon, where you're like handing a guy a drink, and he's like, "Oh
1: yeah, I love I love that photo. That's that's Matt Adams.
0: <laughs> oh, so you know him? Okay, okay. Mm-hmm. It just kind of looked like you. I like have he multiple been...
1: photos of him like that.
0: So it's it's a, it's a theme throughout the whole project. Yeah. Whenever
1: he's in the bar and I have my camera, I'd hand him his drink and just just take a photo of him at the same time. (laughs) Yeah. I love that photo.
0: Yeah. That's a great, that's my favorite. Are you planning on collecting them or putting together a gallery showing or a, or a book or anything like that?
1: Yeah. Well, I mean the, the more, um, kind of formal portraits that I've been taking at the bar, Mm -hmm. um, For the last five and a half years, those, those will all be in a book that hopefully will be done by August. Oh, great. Um, right now I'm just waiting, uh, to submit the file. Okay. And to a printer. I've already, yeah. I mean, well, I have the printer just, I'm waiting on the Mm -hmm. price and I got to submit the file, make my deposit and then wait for them to ship it out. So, you know, I'm kind of cutting it close at the moment.
0: Oh yeah. Is it really that, does it really take that long? Well, well, yeah, I guess it, that's coming well, up. They're being, yeah.
1: they're being, yeah. they're being printed in Poland too. So. Oh damn. Um, so you have to ship them back. Yeah. They'll, they'll all be shipped on a pallet. Damn. Well, yeah.
0: Uh, do you have like uh, a future plans for that project or you just get, just keep, just keep doing it.
1: No, I'm I'm pretty much done shooting it now. I mean, I still work my Tuesday shifts and um I just haven't been bringing my camera in uh, because you know, I, I don't really don't really need to anymore. I mean, it's also like a lot of time and energy and money for me to be producing this project, so yeah. I've kind of I kind of just wanted to end it because uh it's I, I think all good things have an ending and I I think yeah. that uh you know once it starts to go on too long it just kind of becomes droning and annoying like kinda of like the last two seasons of Lost. Okay. You know, I don't wanna I don't wanna yeah. turn in the last two seasons of Lost. <laughs> I wanna stay found, you know.
0: <laughs> and uh when did
1: you uh when did you meet Lou? Lou Sassel. Oh man, I I met I met Lou uh, one night when I was drinking with one of my buddies and we were just cracking up, you know, about funny names. <clears throat> but I mean, that's, that's what that's what my friends and I do. We just sit around and fucking tell jokes that we've already yeah. heard 6,000 times. <laughs> yeah, you know? Of course. Yeah. And hopefully there's that one person in the bar that's never heard them before. Oh, and then, yeah.
0: They I, just tell all of them. Yeah.
1: Oh yeah. Then it's like, and it's like telling him for the first time all over again, you know, yeah, <laughs> you're waiting <laughs> for this, yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah, I'm like, oh, have you heard this one <laughs> so i yeah i now I now choose my uh my audience wisely, but yeah i I've been writing for a long time, but uh you know, when I was trying to come up with this with the pseudonym it, it was just it was just you know i'm I'm outing myself here, but it was just so I didn't sound like a you know, kind of like a pretentious douchebag, with without how much of an oh, asshole yeah. I was in the, in the article, you know?
0: <laughs> well, uh, yeah, I guess so. But I, I mean, you got a lot of Yelp reviews to back that up
1: and, you know, yeah, yeah, that's <laughs> so true. That's it's true. It's
0: fun. Yeah. I, 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 get, end, I get it. I like,
1: did end the article with, uh, you know, this is all coming from love, you know? Yeah. 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 This is all I coming have, from, from deep uh, down where I know that, you know what you want. And I know that, you know how to treat people and you know, don't just be you because that person, the majority of the time is a selfish piece of shit that only thinks about you
0: (laughs) and your drink. Yeah. 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 (laughs) That's true. Well, uh, you got anything, uh, planned after this, after you in this current project,
1: or are you just kind of, I have a couple other, I have a couple other projects that I've been working on kind of personal stuff. Um, and I've been writing a lot. So hopefully, uh, you know, things will come to be, but all of this stuff takes a lot of time. And um, yeah, I know. I'm, <laughs> I'm aware. So of it. I tip, you know, I have one, uh, project that I've been shooting recently that, that I don't want to discuss yet, but hopefully it'll be, it'll be nice. It'll be funny. There'll be a little, I, I feel like there's a lot of sense of humor in my work and that's, to me, what's the most important, you know?
0: Yeah, for sure. Like a little bit of levity, especially if you're saying some real shit, people kind of take it a little lighter if if there's some humor in it, right? That's
1: why I'm like, oh, okay, I've been to that museum once. You know, I don't really need to feel like sad all the time. I just want want shit, my shit to be funny, you know? Yeah, yeah.
0: Well, do you, are you trying to transition like out of the industry or are you just... You see yourself as kind of like a, a lifer, kind of staying in, at least some in some capacity.
1: Uh, uh, at the moment, I see myself working at Sophie's. I mean, I only work there one day a week now.
0: Oh, damn! What? Where else well, um, so are you working then?
1: I've been working as a uh, photo assistant oh, okay. and a photographer, sure. and then I also work at a at a school for photography.
0: Okay. So you're already kind of transitioning. I've I've already kind
1: of transitioned out and I've I've been really enjoying, um, just working one day a week. And that also allows me to cover shifts whenever people need, you know, like the serial cover.
0: Yeah. 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 Do you, did you make like a conscious decision to kind
1: of step away or did it happen naturally? Um, I, I think a little bit of both, but I just, okay. I I couldn't do, I I couldn't do the late nights as much anymore. It was like too straining for me, especially when most of my other work that's coming in that, that, uh, is I think kind of better for my own career path have to do Mm -hmm. with waking up at six o'clock in the morning. So, um, when I'm not getting home until six o'clock in the morning, it's really hard to get to work at six o'clock in the morning too. Yeah. 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 I think that's kind of why I've limited myself. And now whenever I don't have other work coming in, then I, you know, I'll cover, I'll cover a bunch of shifts.
0: Yeah. Do you still enjoy it? Or is
1: it kind of like a, um, pain in the ass to go to the bar? Yeah. Oh, I love it. Okay. I cool. love it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I, I probably wouldn't say the same thing if I was like working one day a week at like Applebee's, but. Oh yeah. Yeah. Um... That'd be horrible.
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
1: Uh, but i i love going to the bar because you know it's like you know i get to see all my friends i get to see all the regulars it's like it's like a family there so yeah um my all my coworkers are like my family my regulars are like my family and my my friends are like my family it's like uh, it's like throwing a party you know
0: yeah yeah party every night yeah that's yeah, yeah. Uh, Bars bars very much like that. I, I've yeah, only yeah, worked at, I've only worked at one, but it was very much like a party kind of atmosphere for better
1: or worse. You know. Yeah, the be, I mean, the best part about working at Sophie's is that it's open bar for whoever works there. So, <laughs> <laughs> real? Jeez. <I'm> just getting <laughs> fucked up all night. Mm. You got to be somewhat responsible, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Of course. You got to count. You got to count money at the end of the night. That's true. Because that's that's the most important thing. Yeah. 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 All right, man. Well,
0: I really appreciate you, uh, hanging out, talking some service industry shit. And, uh, yeah, it's, of
1: course that was great.
0: Yeah, man. And hopefully we can, um,
1: wait, uh, I got, I got, I got list. one question for you. If that's okay. Right. Yeah. Let's um, do it. What's, uh, what's, what's your favorite joke that you tell at a bar?
0: What's my favorite joke that I tell at a bar? Oh God. um, I don't, I don't really have like any like, no. um, formal jokes. Yeah. You know what I mean? Do you formal have like, formal jokes? I guess, I mean like, you know, like set up punchline kind of, kind of jokes. Like
1: why did the chicken cross the road or you got nothing no, like
0: that? I got, I got nothing like that. No, I'll have to think about it. Do you have,
1: uh, I'm i I'm, I'm a Rolodex. <laughs> for okay. jokes. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I mean, it like, kind of feel like you have to be if you're working behind the bar. Well,
0: Shit. Now I got to think, now I got to think about one. I do have to get back to you on that or insert right, at I, the I, end of
1: this episode. I got, I got one for you to, all right, end, all right. to end the episode. Um, okay, let's do it. it's a, it's a bar joke. So you're, you're good. I hope I don't piss too many people off with this one. <laughs> um, so this guy walks into a bar and orders a drink and says to the bartender, uh, Hey man, you like, you like Pollock jokes? And the, and the bartender goes, uh, you know what, man, uh, to be completely honest with you, I'm, I'm actually Polish. And my two friends who you're sitting next to at the bar, they're, they're also Polish. And uh, those two guys, uh, you see those two guys playing pool down at the end of the bar. Uh, those guys are also Polish. So i um, sure you still want to tell your Polak joke. And the guy goes, not if I have to fucking explain it five times. <laughs> <laughs> I like that one.
0: I think you can get away with Polish jokes. I think because nobody really gives a shit about Polish people.
1: So. Yeah. Well, I mean, I'm flying to Poland tomorrow morning. Oh, so okay. Yeah. Okay. yeah. So I got to okay. get them all out of my system now. Okay. Know? Or
0: you could just tell all of them and see what they, they have to say about it. I don't know.
1: Yeah. They're, they probably won't understand it. Yeah. <laughs> Cause they speak Polish and not English not yeah. because they're stupid. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh shit! The funny thing is, is that my friends, my last name is Pollard, and everybody thinks I mispronounces it as Pollock. So everybody oh. tries to tell me Polish jokes, and you, you didn't.
1: <laughs> that's great. Well, you I'm, just you could just see my face. You could, face and you could yeah. already know you already knew yeah. that that was the yeah. case.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah, totally. uh shit! Well, that's a great way to end the podcast, man. Yeah, for I'll sure, try dude. to think of mine. My favorite joke, and I'll I'll insert it at the end of this. But there'll be no laughter. I'll have to put
1: in a laugh track. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah. That's yeah. Uh, that's great. Put in the laugh track. Just be like okay. so I I, I castanza this and I thought of it, you know, twenty <laughs> yeah. minutes after it actually <laughs> exactly. happened. And yeah, uh, yeah, laugh track works perfect.
0: Okay, I'll definitely do that. All right, dude. All right, man. So this Polish guy orders a Polish sausage and the guy he's talking to says, "Oh, you must be Polish. And the Polish guy says, come on, man, think about what you're saying. You're saying just because I ordered a Polish sausage, I'm Polish. What if someone came in here and ordered French toast? Would you think they're French? What if somebody came in here and ordered a Cuban sandwich? Would you say they're Cuban? What if somebody came in and ordered a German bratwurst? Would you think that person was German? I think it's absolutely ridiculous that just because I come in here and order a Polish sausage, that you jump to the conclusion that I'm Polish. And the guy says, well, first off, it's a hardware store.